Flamestock is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Tower rolls on. Steinberg and Wes along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The Flames have officially released their training camp roster on this Wednesday. 64 players, including 35 forwards and 22 defensemen. That leaves seven goaltenders split up over three groups. You can go check out the Flames website, Wes, and uh, and my Twitter. Like, hey, Go anywhere Flames-related. You'll find the groups, and you'll see the training camp roster. And one of the big questions a lot of people had, knowing right from the get-go in his introduction as general manager of the Calgary Flames, right from the get-go, Craig Conroy talked about wanting to get younger, and not wanting to necessarily backfill spots before training camp with veteran players, either on PTOs, he mentioned names like Cody Eakin and Sonny Milano, or contracts like Brett Ritchie signed, I think, on day one of training camp or whatever it was last year. And so we all wondered whether or not they were going to add a veteran or two on a professional tryout or sign somebody early on in training camp or late in the offseason well, the answer is we got, when taking a look at that training camp roster, the answer to that question is no. No veteran PTOs and no late veteran signings. Yeah. Which I guess is, listen listen to this from Craig Conroy on Monday before training camp started. I said, is your roster set or are you going to be adding any PTOs? And this is a really good uh, example of practicing what you preach. You know, there's always, you're talking agents and you're talking players, and, and but it really is about... You know, we kind of said we're going to do something, and and as right. much as it'd be easy to add a couple PTOs right now, yep. You know, I think we want to see these guys. We're going to give them the chance. The easy thing would be to add PTOs, but again, is that is that the model in my mind? Probably not. No. So he didn't lie to me. That's very nice of him. Check mark. No lies. Yeah. Uh, which you don't really expect from Conroy anyway. Uh, but I just it's it's. You hear that, and you go all the way back to May when he talked about it, and and as he said right there, we said we were going to do something, so let's do it. And that is not always easy to do. As he said, the easy thing would be mm-hmm. to add a bunch of PTOs, um, but they're going about it this way. It's kind of a, and I, I, this is not a shot at how it was done before at all, but it is new, and new is refreshing. It's kind of a, a different, refreshing way of going about your business if you're the Calgary Flames under this new regime. Yeah, and it shows a lot of faith in the in the kids because I think if, if the circumstances were different, if it was just PTOs, because contracts are, are a, a different conversation, but if the Calgary Flames this morning had announced a couple of players who have played you know, a couple hundred games in the league at forward were coming to training camp. And the the sort of message was, these guys are here just in case our young players aren't ready. I don't think there would have been a huge uproar. And so to not have any of those guys here, to not... And you can sign a guy to a PTO at any point, so that ship hasn't sailed, but to not bring anyone in for the first day of camp on a PTA PTO, I'm sorry, shows a ton of faith, a, a yep. ton of confidence in your young guys. Yep. You know, you, you could have this year's Cody Eakin hanging around and knowing that as long as the young guys played well, he wasn't going to get a contract offer. But this is another step 
in just showing how much you believe. It's a message, right? It like really it's a, is. It's a, hey, here's another kind of quantifiable, empirical piece of evidence that we believe we believe in you, and we want to give you a chance. And and I think they're trying, as opposed to, I had a couple of people, I, I, I tweeted out that quote earlier on this Wednesday, and I had a couple of people saying, well, wouldn't bringing in veterans push those young players mm-hmm. and add to the competition level? And I think that that's fair. It's a fair question. But I think what the Flames are trying to do is instead of pushing them that way, using kind of the other way of pushing them, what belief and encouragement and there is an opportunity. We're not going to block the door for you. Go out and do it. And you can always add somebody late. Right. They signed Brendan Morrison and Christopher Stieg both at the end of training camp when they were on PTOs on other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, BMO was in Vancouver on a PTO. They're like, yeah, we're not going to sign you. Daryl Sutter was like, let's get that guy. And same thing with Christopher Stieg. And they both had really good runs as members of the Flames. And so you can always do that later. See if you can't empower your young players right now and, and see if this lights a fire under them. Yeah, and there's the waiver wire as well, right? There's always yeah. teams yeah. at the end of camp trying to slip guys through. So if you feel like you have a spot to fill, that's not necessarily the worst place to to try to find some value. And I just want to, I want. I know we don't have too much time left, but I want to add one more thing. In addition to not having PTOs, I really like that Ryan Huska has chosen to mix up his groups for the first day of training camp, that we're going to see Connor Zary on the ice at the same time as Elias Lindholm, yep. that we're going to see a mix of the young and the established, let's say, because not only last year did they have Cody Eakin and Sonny Milano in training camp, but they were working with the sort of big league group from day yep. one, while guys like Jacob Pelche were skating on the Wranglers' top line in the second group. And so it's not just about who you bring in. It's about actually saying there's an opportunity. This isn't, Hey, Jacob go skate with Matthew Phillips. You guys could have a great year down in the a here's your opportunity. And I like that part of it as well. He's Wes on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Cam and Taylor, our producers this hour. Don't forget. There's still an opportunity to get heritage classic tickets for October 29th. Tickets still available at ticketmaster.ca slash heritage classic. That's ticketmaster.ca slash heritage classic. This is flame stock. Boom. This hour in the books. Uh... Up the center and coming in as Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. We are underway on Wednesday, September 20th. Steinberg and Wes and the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast later on this hour, the Daily Flames Roundtable. But as we uh, get this hour going from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, 
Training camp's underway. Fitness testing in the books on this Wednesday. And then Thursday morning, the Flames on the ice for the first time on ice sessions at 9, 11, and 1.30 p.m. with three different groups. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage from down there Thursday, Friday. Preseason opens on Sunday. Hell, who knows? Maybe we'll even do a... Maybe we'll do a bonus hour for you on Saturday. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not suggesting we will or won't. I'm just saying that we we're going to have wall-to-wall we coverage. We could. You know, it, it would be an option. If there's news. Yeah. Maybe they name a captain on Saturday. Then we'll have bonus coverage for you. Um, let's get into some I camp battles. I have to check the small print on my contract. Oh, I can just do it. I'll just do it by myself. Or I'll rope. I'll make Logan do it or something like well, that. Why are you suggesting it would be a proper bonus if it was not? Well, I just don't know if we have. You know the, what? Let's the, argue about this. The later. budget for the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are very bonus. There will be there will be some sort of bonus coverage coming, potentially. Um, camp battles. Every year we talk about it. Sometimes there really aren't any. Do you feel like there? Do you feel like there are some real tangible camp battles this year? Because you know there are years where you're like, yeah, we know what the. The battle's going to be who's the 13th forward. Is that really a sexy battle? Probably mm-hmm. not. Like oh, never mind. Some... I just checked my phone and they signed Brett Ritchie. No 13th <laughs> forward camp battle. Feels like this year there's there's a little bit more up in the air. And yeah. part of that is because of the, the way the Flames are really pushing having young players part of this. Uh, part of that is because last year was such a debacle. Um, it feels like there are some actual tangible camp battles in 2023. Well, just to sort of, you know, go behind the scenes, behind the curtain of uh, Flames Talk for a second, we were texting back and forth about what we'd cover on the show today and, and kind of back and forth. Well, let's get into some camp battles. Okay, what do we think camp battles? And suddenly we're rocketing back and forth yeah. with a bunch of them. That would not have been the case. A few years ago there, I, I think, and, and we'll lay them out here in a minute. I think there's fascinating battles, not necessarily just who's going to be in the open night, night lineup, but I think you could make a case and we're about to, that there's really interesting battles at all three positions. All three. And we'll start in net where the question becomes, and, and, Craig Conroy told me point blank on Monday, Jacob Markstrom's going to play a lot this year. We know who the number one goalie is going to be. In fact, I think he's going to say it on this clip I'm going to play in a couple of minutes. So we know who the number one is, but who's the number two? And is there a, is this a one, two situation or is there a one, two, a, two, B? How, like, what the hell does this thing look like this year? I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with the, the Conroy. 70 seconds and then we can go from there but this is i kind of asked him about this on on monday that uh, entire interview is available for you wherever you get your podcast on the flames talk feed but i asked him about okay what's the plan is it set in stone are you ready to roll with the punches how are you going to roll with three goalies who deserve nhl playing time here's the gm you're definitely watching how the goaltending situation is going along you, to just say yeah we have this player playing this game, that game, that you know, we have a way to start the season for sure. Siggy is going to work with LaBarbera, and they're going to come up with a plan who's going to play when, when, when. And uh, But you don't know what's going to happen. There's injuries. There's a pole growing. There's something, you know, those are the things you have to do. The one thing we don't want to do, especially with Dustin, is not have him play in games. That's, that doesn't help anybody, and that doesn't help him. And, you know, I know he's done everything he can do at the American League level, 
but he also needs to play games. Yep. And Jacob's going to play a lot of games. And Vladar wants to play more games. I mean, everybody wants to play more games. And that's what I love about our goaltending. I believe in all three guys, that all three guys can win games. So, you know, we just have to find that sweet spot that we get everybody playing a lot and, and continue to feel good about themselves and, you know, see see what happens as the season moves along. But the one good thing about Dustin Wolf this year, he doesn't need waivers, so he can go down. We're in the same city. He can come up. It, you know, but we're not gonna we're not gonna just put a we have to do this and that. So remember all those people on the text line who's calling there's you're an idiot, Steinberg. They're not gonna they're not gonna use three goalies. They're not gonna bring Wolf up and down. I think they are. I and, I and I'm I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said the idiot part. Yeah, he could have come up with a nicer word, like maybe buffoon. Buffoon's got a little bit. <laughs> Yahoo. More. It's not. <laughs> you Yahoo. That's a that's more friend a friendlier way of calling me an idiot. Um, I, I think they are. I like mm-hmm. to me. There's no doubt that while they have the three guys healthy and in the organization, that all three will see NHL playing time. At some point, maybe it's Colorado because we know that Francois is hurt. Maybe Colorado comes calling at some point in the preseason and they can make a deal. Or maybe it's not until December and a deal materializes. But while the three guys are here in the organization and healthy, no pulled groins or whatever, as as Connie said, I think that they're going to find ways to get all three NHL playing time, which includes shuttling Dustin Wolf from the Wranglers to the Flames. Would you expedite the process or or would you maybe circle back on some of the Dan Vladar offers that underwhelmed you in the summer if Dustin Wolf really put on a show in the preseason? Like, would I be more willing to take the underwhelming offers? Yeah. I'd wait to see how the three goalie experiment went went first. Okay. And I'd wait to see if, look, Jordan Sigalet has been getting ready for this since game 82. Yep. Like when we had him on after, remember we had him on after game 82 and that's a proud Papa, but he's also the guy that, you know, he was he was vouching for Vladar for two years prior to them acquiring him. Uh, he identified Vladar as a target, like, literally 24, 25 months before they went out and made the trade with Boston. So, like, he's got a great affinity for all three of those guys, these guys. Jordan Sigalette and Jason LaBarbera have been working this out for months now yeah. and, and figuring out different iterations of how they can do it. So I'd wait. I'd wait to see how managing the Dustin Wolf up and down and managing the three goaltenders who need NHL playing time situation goes. And if it starts to become something that is is maybe less manageable than they thought, then yes, that's when I would start to do what you said. But as of right now, probably not. Okay. I I just don't think that you can keep kicking this down the field. I, I think, and this all hinges on... Dustin Wolf's performance in practices and in games this fall. But I think you owe it to this young man, the MVP in the AHL last year, the two-time goaltender of the year in the AHL. If he makes it clear during camp that he's ready for the NHL, I just don't know what the message can possibly be 
when you tell them to go play a bunch of games with the Wranglers again. And yeah, I get that you're going to make a commitment to get them up for spot starts every once in a while, yada, yada. I just think if Dustin Wolf earns it, you have to be ready to make a spot for him. And that's no disrespect to Dan Vladar, who we all know would be the odd man out in that situation. I just think you can cause a real distraction. You can send the wrong message to your goaltender of the future. If, and again, if his fall performance dictates it, I think you have to reward it. And I don't think a reward is one NHL start in November, two in December, one in January, whatever that might look like. Right. I love it. I, I'm so interested in this. And maybe they can make a deal between now and the start of, of the regular season, which would really alleviate a lot of the potential stress. But, you know, and, and I, I'm 100% biased because you get to know these guys. Yeah. And, but but I I really do have a lot of faith in Jordan Sigalette and, and Jason LaBarbera and the plan that they – it's not like a, a plan set in stone, written in indelible marker, but the different plans that they have to maybe make this work. Selfishly, I want to see it just because I've been talking about it for months now. Mm-hmm. I want to see it and see how it plays out and see if it maybe can allow them the time to make a good trade as opposed to an underwhelming one. I think that I think we're all on the same page that eventually yep. they've got to move one of them. Yeah, and uh, you you did not make an insignificant investment in Dan Vladar when you traded a third-round pick for him. You're certainly looking to at least recoup that. I just, I'm really, I'm, I'm totally intrigued by what you do if Dustin Wolf comes in and gives you one of those performances in the fall that says, hey, boys, it's time to make a spot for me. Text line's got some things we'll get to a little bit later on. I, you, yeah. I, I think there's people out there who aren't sure there's a battle on the blue line. There's a training camp battle on the blue line, is there not? I see a training camp battle on the blue line for who's kind of in the top two mm-hmm. pairings. like uh, Because Zadorov wants to play in the top four. Shillington wants to play in the top four. You've got Tanev, Hannafin, and Anderson, who you know are in the top four. So, like, which player works his way into that conversation is is going to be really interesting as well. I think it's one of the underrated, maybe, storylines of this training camp is the competition for minutes on your blue line. I, I think what we can expect to see tomorrow is Hannafin and Anderson... Shillington and Tanev, Zadorov and Weaker. And I think you could probably go through that list and have a hard time figuring out what your third pairing should be. That that Weaker Zadorov pairing was really strong at times last season. Mm-hmm. I forgot Weaker. I didn't even mention what they, they've got Weaker's a top four defenseman. And so I think and listen, if everything unfolds the way it's expected to. We know what six defensemen are playing against the Winnipeg Jets on October 11th. But that competition for top four minutes, I think, is a doozy. I think it's really good. 
Could you do like I I now I'm I don't know why this didn't intrigue me as much prior to the show and now I'm like wait a second could you do could you make because look Tanev's in the final year of a contract he's what 33 years old we know that he's got a lot of miles on that frame yeah. that won't change the way he plays the most fearless hockey player I've ever seen in my entire life but does and when he's healthy, he helps you win hockey games no matter what team he's on. But would it be smart to like dial back dial back the minutes just a little bit? And maybe you're talking about Tanev and Shillington as your third pairing. And not like yep. not a bad third pairing, not a twelve minute a night third pairing, but like a seventeen minute a night third pairing and you are rolling your three pairings very similarly to what they did two seasons ago where there was not a lot of gap between Anderson Hannafin, Shillington, Tanev, Zadorov, Goodbranson. Like if you've got Uyghur and Anderson as a pairing, Hannafin and Zadorov as a pairing, just off the top of my head, I know that's not perfect because two righties, two lefties on the side. But if you've got those four in your top four in whatever whatever iteration, maybe it is Zadorov and Uyghur because I'm with you. They played really well at times last year. Maybe you don't have a traditional second and third pairing. Maybe it's a... Right. Maybe it's a top six and not not a top four. Or even just a 2A and a 2B in the sense of maybe you're running your top pair 23 minutes a night and then the other two are looking at 19 and 18. Obviously, special teams is going to dictate. And and I think for that reason, because Chris Tanev is, is going to be on the ice for 75% of every penalty kill, huh. I, I think you can probably factor... You could ease off on his even strength yeah. ice time a little bit. You could allow Oliver Shillington to get back into the swing of it a little bit by doing that. But as the season goes on, and we talked about this, hey, we were wrong about the Flames and what reasonable expectations should be a year ago. But we talked about this being one of the, potentially before the Oliver Shillington news, before training camp in 2022, we talked about this being one of the deepest blue lines in the NHL. Well, those six guys are... They're here right. now. Yep. It's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds, especially because the head coach knows the six of them as well as anybody. Yep. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what your night. I'm interested to see what our day one pairings look like on Thursday, but October 11, I'm really interested to see when they host the Winnipeg Jets, what do those three pairings and six defensemen look like? How do they roll those out? On night one, especially because you have three right handers who are top four yeah. staples. Yep. And there's really no reason to have a righty righty pairing with the three lefties you have. Yep. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. The right wing slot. Yeah. That's a. I mean, it'd be nice to have some guys with right-handed curves on their stick, but... They do. They have uh, Walker Dewar, uh-huh. Elias Lindholm, Matt Coronado. And Matt Coronado. Yeah. And that's it. I think, I think Chris Tanev could maybe play... Yeah, can you make Mackenzie Weger a forward? Could could he play on that? He'd, he'd be pretty reliable. Yeah, Dion Phaneuf, Dion Coleman, forward once. Coleman, Backlund, Weger. 
Don't no. text in. I'm joking. This is not an invitation for the, what about making Oliver Shillington a forward? No, he's a defense. I got a great email one time. The solution to not being able to find a center is right in front of them. It's TJ Brody. I don't think it's there was a, 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 there's one texter for like two straight years. Make Michael Stone a forward. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I told I remember I told Stone about that one day. He's like, uh, no, 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 no. You know what? I don't think so. <laughs> so who do who's in the mix for kind of top six right wing minutes? Let me do the let's see if I. Hit all the ones that are in your head. Sharon Govich, Dylan Dubé, Matt Coronado, Andrew Mangiapane. Am I missing anybody there? Nope. I think you nailed it. So which one of those four ends up as kind of a first and or second line right winger? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those ones that... I don't think you can really handicap right now. You got to watch some of this play out. And hell, it might not even be until like mid-October or mid-November when that's actually fleshed out, when you really have a good idea as to who the best fit is. It might not happen through training camp in the preseason. No, absolutely not. And I guess the where the right wings can kind of fit, where you have some flexibility is that the the right wing, at least the way I see it with the Flames roster, is going to be where you're comfortable with the rotation. You want to establish chemistry between Jonathan Huberto and a center. Preferably, top priority, Elias Lindholm. You want Nazem Kadri to establish chemistry with a winger. It's going to be a left shot winger, probably, just based on the numbers. So... You need Nazem Kadri to create chemistry somewhere. You know you have it with Blake Coleman and Michael Backlund. And then the way NHL coaches have been building forward lines in recent memory is give me a pair and then I'll have kind of a rotation for that third guy. Well, the way I see it with the Calgary Flames, the right side might as well be a Ferris wheel. That's your rotation. Now, would you like to trot out the same lines every night? Absolutely. But... The right side is where you're willing to rove guys in and out of lines. Yep. At least that's the way I see it. I, I think that's probably fair because because there are so many left shots and, yep. and guys who are pretty established as left wingers. I mean, I guess, and, and because Blake Coleman and Michael Backlund just seem attached at the hip, I think that we kind of have Coleman as the right side of Michael Backlund. And whether it's Mangiapane or somebody else. And I guess if you put a, like to last hour, you suggested maybe Coronado with Coleman and Backlund. Well, then you'd shift Blake to the left because he's a left shot who is quite comfortable and quite good on his offside. Even Andrew Mangiapane has played the right and, side. And Mangiapane's played the right side. But usually on that line, he's the left and Coleman's the right. Yeah, that's true. But if they're going about it a little bit differently and Mangiapane's on the, you know, they're, they're trying him with Lindholm, then he's probably on the right in that circumstance. Yeah. You know who's not in the mix for a uh, right winger? Jonathan Huberdeau. Let's no, not let's I, not let's not do that again. I th- think that we have a pretty good idea that Jonathan Huberdeau prefers playing the left side. I think that I, I can think be quite I, confident. I believe that's established. Is that established? You know you know who I'm going to be keeping a keen eye as I'm sure you will. 
at the start of this training camp is is Yegor Sharangovich because I, I'm really interested to see what the Flames have there. Do they have a guy who scored 24 goals two years ago? Do they have the guy who was getting healthy scratched in the playoffs last year? I, I think I'm not even sure what the expectations are for Yegor. I, I think they might go through the roof tomorrow if he's suddenly skating with Jonathan Huberdeau and Elias Lindholm. And, and I do have a hunch that's going to be the case. Me but too. I, I'm really, I want to see him with my own eyes. I want to see what he can bring to this team. I know they love his shot, but I, I know they want to temper expectations as well. This is a guy who has done some good things in three NHL seasons, but sort of slid out of favor in New Jersey, became kind of a spare part there. And yep. so that, that's going to be a guy that I have eyes kind of locked on it. And you know, the one guy we might be forgetting on the right side is Jacob Pelche. I think they'd rather play him on the left, but you could probably throw his name in that mix too. The year that he scored twenty four goals, Yegor Sharangovich, and I'm with you. I, I my 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 feel is he probably all along. I've kind of felt like Sharangovich on the right has kind of been earmarked by the team to start training camp with Huberto and Lindholm. You know who he played the vast majority of his minutes with the year he scored twenty four. Pretty decent player, wasn't it? Jack Hughes. Yeah. Jack Hughes is his center for more than 500 minutes at five on five that year. Put him with a good center. I, I'm I'm curious. Now, Hughes more dynamic than Lindholm, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Lindholm, better two-way guy. Or I don't even want to say that. Hughes is an elite center, so that's probably unfair to him. But Lindholm's profile is more of a two-way guy, yep. but still a really good center. I'd be curious. And I, I've been saying this since the day they acquired him. Sharon Govich off wing with his shot and his ability uh, with that one-time release with a little bit, what, it's an extra, I don't know, six inches of, you know, the right angle towards the net. Yeah. Off wing, opposite circle with Huberto feeding him, and you've got that extra six inches of the right angle towards the net. I just think five on five and on the power play, you're looking at something pretty sexy if it works out. Yeah. And what you're going to need on that line is is you don't want Elias Lindholm as responsible as he is. He needs to be more often than not the high guy. Jonathan Huberto is not going to be the guy typically crashing and banging on the forecheck. That's not me saying he's a perimeter player. That's just me saying that that's not where in the ideal setup, you have Jonathan Huberto. So if Sharon Govich is a guy who can also go retrieve pucks and then kind of create some opportunities and, and hopefully finish some, might be a really a really interesting look. Quick look at the text line on some of the things we've talked about. Uh, this says three goalies would be a massive mistake. Hopefully it doesn't blow up in their face. Good chance it will. Signed, Wes. Uh, that's from Wes. Um, <laughs> funny. Good, hey, good point there, by the way, Good texter. point, Wes. Um, this is Pat. I think my scenario still sounds like Conroy's thinking the same. Dustin 20, Dan 20, Markstrom the rest. That's from Ian and Cranbrook. Uh, this, who's to say Markstrom wouldn't be the odd man out. What happens if he has a shaky start to the season? Wouldn't it make more sense to get rid of him and go with the younger goalies? Can I answer that one? Yes. Jacob Markstrom's contract dictates that he's not going to be a guy you're moving during the season. With a no move and a $6 million cap. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, this says, why not look at trading Markstrom? There's no now, if, that. if I can jump back in, if Jacob Markstrom struggles, you need to keep both of the other guys. Yeah. That, that probably, if Jacob Markstrom doesn't come out of the gates the way you expect, if he looks shaky in camp, that might change the whole conversation. Yeah. There's a good point from flash. The other thing with Wolf is the money NHL versus AHL rate. And if Wolf shows he's earned it, he's going to want to make that larger paycheck. No doubt, especially on an entry level deal. There's a pretty big uh, gap between what you're making in the American League, like ten times, literally yeah. ten times. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's like newspaper money versus radio money. Uh, this says, guys, look out for Uyghur and Shillington. Would love to see how that works. That's from Colin. Uh, John says zero chance, zero. They carry three goaltenders, asinine. John stealing Eric Francis's word. Um, this says, gentlemen, why are we discounting Pelche in the conversation lately? He stood out last year when he played and should be above Coronado in depth. Well, Wes fixed that before that, uh, after that text came in and didn't see the text before he said it. What Jacob Pelche didn't show in 24 games last season was an ability to put up generate offense. offense. Yes, now, he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he can, and certainly at the lower levels, he's been uh, an offensive not just a, a contributor, a go-to guy, but yep. what we haven't seen in a limited sample size from Jacob Pelche at the NHL level is the ability to generate. He's Wes. I'm Pat. This hour of Flames Talks coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Daily Flames Roundtable time. Steinberg West and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us this hour on Flames Talk. Wills, he appreciated as always. And Wes and I were going through some of the more intriguing camp battles for us in the first part of this hour. I want to bring you in. And, and now we can rank them and, and maybe the one that you're most interested in around the table. Derek, what, what would be right at the top, very top of your list in terms of the camp battle you'll be watching most when we get things going on Thursday? Well, for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to jump to a conclusion, if that's okay. Please. The conclusion is that Flames will start the season with Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto playing on the same line. So, that leads to the big question. Who is going to be their right winger? So for me, it's the battle to be the right winger on the Flames' number one line with the best shooter and the best passer. And when you take a look at their training camp rosters, the different groups, I wonder about Matt Coronado. I know a lot of people would love to see him win that job. But I also wonder about Yegor Sharangovich. So for me, the, the battle for the first line right wing spots, uh, the one I'm watching. And and that, that's going to be a good one, absolutely. For me, it's Dan Vladar and Dustin Wolf. That, and I, I'm not sure everyone sees it as a head-to-head battle the way I do, but the one that I am most fascinated by is your two options to be the second NHL goalie. Yep. You know, it's funny because... Had you had we not had the conversation earlier, guys, I would have I would have been where Wes is. Same thing. I would have been like definitely the goaltending, goaltending goal, uh, the three goalies. Who's like that? That 
I don't know why that has me so intrigued, but it has since like April. But Derek, we were having the conversation, and Wes brought up okay, this whole idea of what the heck the top four blue line is going to look like. Like, how do they construct their top two pairings? I I wasn't really all that dialed in on it until we started talking about it. I'm like, holy! All of a sudden, this fascinates me because. Right now, for the first time since they acquired Uyghur, they've got everybody. Because Shillington's here, uh, Tanev's still here, Hannafin's still here. So they've got everybody that they we thought they were going to have last June when the Florida trade went down. And you start thinking to yourself, so who works their way into the second pairing? You know, is Shillington a second pairing guy? If Shillington's a second pairing guy, does that mean Tanev's not? Or does that mean Uyghur's not? Or does that mean Hannafin's not? Like all of a sudden you've yeah. got you've got way too many guys. And not not way too many guys. That's the wrong way of putting it. You've got a lot of different options and a lot of different iterations. And so what does the it, what does the top four defense look like? And is there a top four defense? Or is it as simple as we're talking about a top six and and not a top four? So I probably would have leaned right wing or goaltender prior to Wes and I chatting about it earlier, but all of a sudden I was like, wait a second. That that uh, that defense thing really intrigues me going into the year. Yeah, we kind of touched on it a little bit yesterday. I mean, the Flames have a clear-cut top six, but who's going to play with who? Who's going to play in their offside if you're not going lefty-righty? I, th- I think those are really interesting conversations. When it comes to the goaltenders, guys, I just can't see Dan Vladar not being on the opening night roster or – number two to start the season. I still think if they hang on to all three guys that they're going to find ways to get Dustin Wolf some games, but it's not like you can risk putting Vladar on waivers and sending him down, can you? No, probably not, but I and this is something we talked about a lot in the, the last segment. I, I do think based on what he's done in the minors and what the difference between the AHL and NHL means in multiple different ways. I think you have to reward Dustin Wolf if he earns it. I really do. And that that's like, I don't, I don't know how they, how they manage it. And it might have to be if they don't have a trade in place, Wolf might have to start in the American league, but maybe game three, he's starting in the NHL, you know, like I, that's that's the way that that that's why prior to us getting into the conversation about defense, that's why I was so interested in the and remain so interested in the goaltending situation because of that. What what we're gonna hear when this team embarks on a five game road trip after the home opener is we're gonna hear a ton about the importance of getting away as a group, about the bonding that gets done on the road about how good it's going to be for the group to gel when they go away. And I can't remember the cities in order, but they're going to go out East for five in a row. And I do think if Dustin Wolf has kind of muscled his way into being a big part of your team, it's tough to leave him behind from that. It is, but I also think you could probably explain it to him. You know, he's a team guy. And if you say, listen, our plan is for you to play NHL games this season. You've just got to figure this out. It might be tough for him to swallow because I think you could argue there's not a lot more he can do in the AHL, but you've got to worry about your NHL team first. So 
it might be a, a difficult situation for the managers and the coaches early in the year if they've got all three guys. And I wouldn't expect that uh, at least long term you're going to have all three guys on the roster. That makes uh, for awkward practices and whatnot. But mm-hmm. you've got to go with, uh, I think, your best two guys. But you've also got to consider that Vladar would have to clear and Wolf wouldn't. And, and I do think that that's going to be a factor. So that's the uh, training camp battle side of things. And we're underway on our Daily Flames roundtable with Derek Wills, Wes, and Pat this hour of Flames Talk. The other one that we haven't touched on but kind of plays into this a little bit, and, and I wanted to get your thoughts around the table. Guys, give me one player, and, and, and this is not necessarily for the season. I'm talking more about training camp. Give me one player that would be at the top of your list in terms of a guy you're intrigued with or intrigued by going into training camp, and why. This one's actually an easy one for me, guys. We just talked about it uh, in our first topic. Who the Flames' number one right winger is going to be is a big story for me, and that means Yegor Sharangovich is potentially a big story for me. But when I look at what he's done in comparison to the guy he's going to try to replace over the last three years, over the first three years of his NHL career, even strike numbers are pretty pretty close. So I think Sharon Govich, if he gets more of an opportunity, can replace a, a big portion of the 34 goals and 73 points that Tyler Toffoli put up last season. So you know, here's a guy who I think was underutilized in New Jersey. I don't think he will be in Calgary. I think the Flames are going to give him every opportunity to succeed. So he's the guy I'm watching. I want to see if he's good enough to play potentially with Lindholm and uh, Huberto on that top line. Uh, I wrote down four different names here on this handy piece of paper Pat gave me. What individual are you most intrigued by entering 2023 camp? Four different names. And I'm going to go with a guy whose name I didn't even write down. Because the more I think of it, the most intriguing guy for me is Jacob Pelche. He's a guy that I don't have penciled into what I think the top nine is going to look like. I I see him more as a fourth line fit. And yet I think he absolutely has the skill set to be in the top nine. I think he's going to benefit a ton from playing 24 NHL games last year. I'm really, I'm really curious to see how a guy who self-admittedly has not had strong showings at his professional training camp so far changes that narrative for himself this fall there there's like I could go up and down the roster and tell you I'm totally intrigued by about half of them but I think Jacob Pelche might be the most interesting of all for me and and I will say all these discussions we're having about where the forwards fit get that much tougher if Jacob Pelche really shows off this fall which he hasn't really done before in a training camp no definitely not would be a first for him um yeah, I uh there's so many different because there's so many more unknowns this year and because the Flames have gone out of their way to give young players an opportunity to get high leverage time in the preseason and training camp. There are so many different ways that we could go about this. But, you know, I I think the guy that the the more that I've thought about it and kind of the theme of this hour Derek, we talked a little bit about it on on Tuesday's roundtable. The guy for me, I really think, is Shillington. You know what? How how is how is his conditioning after a year away? 
How quickly does he get back into game shape? I'm not honestly worried about it all that much at all because everybody's coming off an extended period of time. So how much is the difference between four and 16 months when it comes to starting day one, a training camp? I don't know. It feels like it probably wouldn't be that much. So how quickly does he get back up to speed? How quickly can he get back to the level he was in the spring of 2022? The last time we played, uh, we saw him play an NHL game. Can he elevate his game? Can he find the same type of chemistry he had with Chris Tanev? Is there somebody else that he could work well with, like a Mackenzie Weger or a Rasmus Anderson? Like, I just, there are, the sky is the limit with this player for so many different reasons. He is skilled. He skates at a high level. He's still young. And I still think there's a lot of untapped there when it comes to the high end ceiling of Oliver Shillington. So I, does he look like he's missed a beat or does he look like he's picking up right where he left off? I think I'd have to put him at the top of my list, guys. I'm a little surprised nobody brought up Jonathan Huberto or Jacob Markstrom. How do they look as they try to bounce back? And it's the reason why I didn't is because I don't know with either of those players if you get a good gauge in the in, in training camp. They're veterans, they're over thirty, like I if, if Markstrom has a junk preseason and he's got an 860 save percentage, I don't know how much I buy into it. I, I, I go back to like Mike Smith's first preseason with the Flames. It was awful. And then he started the regular season as a completely different human. So that that's why, Derek, because just training camp in a bubble, I don't know how much I learn about either Huberdo or Markstrom, you know, just because of how long they've played in the league. That, to me, is more of a... What happens when the puck drops for real? It's what? Fair. Fair. And the other thing I would add, guys, and I think this applies to all the returning players from last year, but maybe some more than others, including Huberto and Markstrom. How long does the hangover last? Because I still think that there's a hangover from all that happened last season. Daryl Sutter is gone. I know that. But I still think that uh, some Flames players want to see and feel that things are going to be different in Calgary this year. So, I do wonder about uh, kind of the group collectively in that sense. It, it's what I'm so excited about looking at ahead to tomorrow. It's what makes this training camp so fascinating. Like if we, if we all went to a sports bar tonight and had this discussion, well, who, who are you most interested to watch in training camp? You could honestly say half of the guys who are going to be regulars on this team. We've talked about Shillington. We've talked about Sharon Govich. Wilsey, you make a great point in terms of how do Markstrom and Huberdo start putting last season behind them, right? You could talk about the guys with uncertain futures. What are we going to see from Lindholm? What are we going to see from Hannafin? What are we going to see from Backlund and these guys who have this distraction hanging over them? What are we going to see from Pelche, from Coronado, from Adam Ruzicka? Like, doesn't this make tomorrow that much more fun? There, You could go almost any yep. direction with this. Yep. Yeah, and I think Matt Coronado is another interesting one for me, guys. I'm not ready to pencil him onto the opening night roster. I'm not ready to put him beside Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto on the right side of that first line. But what if he is a really special player who can make that jump from college hockey to the NHL and have an immediate impact? I do wonder about him as well. Yep. Well, we won't get definitive answers on Thursday but we will certainly start to get some really interesting hints as to 
where they see things. And then it all changes as time goes along. And I can tell you things will look different on Sunday night as they do on Thursday morning because preseason lines always look different than training camp lines. And it's going to be a really interesting next uh, few weeks. October 11th is the start of the regular season. Here we are on September 20th. It's going to be a really, really fascinating next number of weeks of training camp, which means we'll have lots more to dive into on the Daily Flames Roundtable. For now, Mr. Wills, have yourself a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you at the Dome on Thursday, hey? And, guys, it feels like it's been a really, really long off season. so I'm excited to see the guys back on the ice tomorrow, and uh, we can focus on the on-ice product instead of the off-ice product, which has been kind of the focus uh, around these parts for most of the season summer so looking forward to tomorrow guys yep no doubt see you derek see you guys derek wills radio voice of the flames wes gilbertson pat steinberg that's your daily flames round table as we start to wrap things up this hour on flames talk wes gilbertson is on twitter at wes gilbertson uh cam <coughs> taylor our producers uh, this hour on x yeah. one day one day i'll make that change but today is it's not, not today day. as aragorn would say Today is not that day. Uh, you can get this hour wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers. And this hour has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450. Or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.